My name is Riley Murtha, and I am a mindset, self-love, and personal development coach, and also your host. This is Life and Shit, the podcast, where we discuss anything and everything. My intention with this podcast is simple, to create authentic, raw, real, relatable, all-encompassing conversations about life that offer unique perspectives around what it means to live well, what it means to truly feel good, and how we can achieve these things. So thank you so much for being here, and let's get to this week's episode. Okay, so welcome, Brianna, to the podcast. Thank you. So excited to have you here and so excited for this conversation. A little bit of context, I suppose, into this episode. I, a lot of people know about me, I love a rabbit hole. So when I started to see the Burning Man news coming through of like what was going on this year and the the flooding and the way the news was presenting it, I started to pay attention and then I realized I knew nothing about Burning Man. And when I started to actually, it started to get on my algorithm, onto my TikTok, I was like, wait, what is this? This is not at all what I thought it was. Like, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole, like, it felt like, it feels like from the outside, like a social experiment. I'm so, And I love a good social experiment. So when I saw that you were there after you finally got back and had internet and started posting your stuff, I was so excited to connect with you and I wanted to pick your brain about what that experience is like and also share with my audience, like, what is Burning Man? And yeah, like, what is the experience from someone who has, you've de- you've been there more than once, right? Yeah, this was my second year going to Burning Man and maybe my favorite, I mean, both were different experiences, amazing, both were just like life-changing um but yeah this is my second year and apparently I just uh mentioned earlier to you that this year according to like lifetime burners like burners that have been like 12 years you know over you know long long time they are they all say that this year and last year were like the harshest conditions and it just it's as tradition burning man it's it's you're supposed to be prepared for anything any weather any craziness and um the weather's harsh it's it's definitely not for the faint of heart out there so you have to be prepared for anything dust storms um you know rain wind really cold nights and or really hot days like last year was some of the it was like one of the hottest years so um you just have to be prepared to endure whatever is going to be out there all the elements so there's a lot of people in my life, most of the people that I know, like friends, family, I wouldn't recommend them go out there because I don't think they could handle it and be flexible and just be like, embrace it and just go with it. Um, it definitely tests you as a person to just be self-reliant and um, go out there with all the essentials, enough water, enough food, um, clothing that's going to keep you warm when it's cold and or cool when it's really hot and um you know it's it's just a it's a really good test of yourself to see if you can do it and I got a a lot out of it this year a lot out of it last year both years pushed me in in what is that I didn't know I could be pushed and then be able to be flexible in response to it uh but it made me come back like oh yeah, I can handle, I can handle it all, made me feel really confident myself. And I think uh, Burning Man really brings that out of a lot of people. Yeah. So this year, especially. For sure. So I'm so curious, like what was your initial motivation to start to go? Because it literally sounds like you're going to like war, like you're going and you're learning all these lessons and you're becoming so strong, but I assume that it has to be, it looks fun too, right? Like. Uh-huh. Oh my god! So I think what initially brings people out is the allure of like the going to the biggest party in the world. Mm -hmm. It's I'm pretty sure like from a satellite you could see like Burning Man, like Black Rock City, like glowing. For sure. Um, It's just it's I think it's they said it during Burning Man. Black Rock City is like Nevada's third largest city. That's crazy. Like. 
it's like Vegas and Reno and Black Rock City. So it's a ton of people all over the world. I met you meet people when you go. You meet people from all over the world there. Um, Crazy. Yeah, big big DJs go. Um, no one, there's no money out there, so none of the DJs are being paid. Um, everything is given to you. It's a gifting economy. Um, so there's, you don't need to bring money out there other than to buy ice to keep your food cold throughout the week and that's pretty much it oh and if you have an rv you can change out your uh, black water and uh, gray water tanks and replenish your potable water just to you know maintain throughout the week and that was actually uh something that we didn't really have access to um after the rain in this last year so mm. a lot of the rvs that needed to be like cleaned out because there's trucks that drive around the city yeah. that help with RV um, and uh, help with servicing the portas throughout the week. So that was like a little bit of a concern, but honestly, we were just, uh, it added an extra day with the rain um, at Burning Man. So we just stayed one extra day, mm-hmm. uh, which I, we were all, f- I was fine with. We, we brought so much food and so much water. We left Black Rock City with extra food, extra water, you know, we were willing to share food and water, you know, with people if they needed it, and, and, and everyone's just cut from the same cloth out there, generally, like, especially long-time burners, where everyone wants to give and gift and take care of each other, Yeah. so it wasn't, like, there was no cannibalism or Ebola or anything crazy <laughs> like that, like, the, I don't know who started those rumors, but um, uh, there's, like, definitely, like, a uh, prankster culture mm-hmm. out there at Burning Man where there's little like <laughs> they try to you know I remember my first year um there's this whole rumor going around about Daft Punk playing at the trash fence or something like that and I was like well we should go out there and there's there was no Daft Punk at the trash fence it was just like this little rumor like prankster culture kind of agenda yeah <laughs> I uh this year I remember going into one of the portos um, beginning of the week, and there's a sticker that said, like, Kesha was playing at, for Sunrise at Opulent Temple, this one camp, sound camp, and it's, like, the Opulent Temple, and Ke- Kesha being at Burning Man at all is, like, not really the scene for mm-hmm. Kesha, Yeah. and um, no, no burners are, like, really gung-ho about seeing Kesha, I'm pretty sure, um, and she would be, but Sunrise set for that kind of you know, music is the opposite of what you'd want to hear for a sunrise. Anyway, <laughs> it, like, it's a funny thing. Yeah. And there's, like, someone put a sticker in there saying, you know, seeing if they would lure anybody out at Opulent Temple for sunrise to see Kesha. <laughs> just, like, funny. Yeah, just, like, um, a sense of humor with within yeah, it all. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, during the rain and everything, and, you know, we're all walking through the mud, and some pe- the people that majority of people that I experienced out there after the rain were embracing it. They were like, I went an entire day and night without shoes or boots or anything. And I just put my feet in the mud and ran around and danced in the mud. Yeah. And I, the best time I felt like a little kid, you know, when, when else in your life do you get to do that? Like take your boots off and run around in the mud and dance and be like a little kid and you know, I'm, I'm 30. I'm, like, I don't get to do that very often and, and be like, you know, it's so freeing and it's so fun. Yeah. Um, people that, uh, had a not as great of a time panicked, tried to move their cars or RVs and the mud, what happened with the dust when it got wet was it sunk into the ground and created like almost like clay, like ceramic. So when it hardened, it was like caked on um to so you couldn't ride your bike um if you're walking it like caked onto your boots I remember the first night we kind of stayed in in our RV for like a decent amount of the um day that it rained just trying to wait it out and see if it would change and then at some point we were getting stir crazy and we're like we need to get out Mm -hmm. my boyfriend put uh trash bags on my boots (laughs) taped them on and for him too and we went out there and we were holding hands and uh walked out um down the street like our street so it's it's a full-on city so there's street names and everything and um we walked down the street which honestly we probably wouldn't have 
walk down the street like this if it weren't for the rain. Yeah. So it slowed us down. It's when you when you're out there, you're like, okay, adventure, get on the bike. We're gonna just bike somewhere. And so you bike everywhere, and usually you can tolerate a longer distance than you can on foot. So you don't even think about like, oh, let's go down the street. And we were forced to um, with the mud because you couldn't bike at all. We had to just go by foot everywhere after that. And I'm pretty sure there's like not that many burners ever in the history of Burning Man that really like ditched their bike for large part of the day and just walked like we did yeah um out into the playa like there is like an element of um I've been told by passport uh like uh, long time burners like you should just do a day where you're not on your bike and you just walk a little bit and um but even the people that just do that I don't think they have done like two I don't know, two, two and a half full days of just walking and just never got on a bike. It was a long stint of time, not on bikes. And so everyone was walking. It was really cool. So anyway, this night we walked on the street to this bar and there was a DJ playing and she was killing it. Apparently she was supposed to be in an art car that night and throw this big party out on the playa. But because you couldn't drive art cars out onto the playa due to the conditions, she um, pivoted and played at her own camp, which happened to be down our street, and they had a full-on bar, so we got drinks, we're dancing to, like, some rad music with all these people that we might not have met had it not rained. Yeah. And so it slowed everyone down. Everyone's like, point A for, from point A to point B, let's just go, you know, and now with the rain, you're, we're just walking, and it was like we're – my you know, my boyfriend and I were holding hands, making sure we didn't fall into the mud. We really had to slow down, truly. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it's, like, really ironic, too, because the whole thing is burning, man. Like, it's all about fire, and you're in the desert, and then, like, the universe, like, dumping all that water on you guys. It's, like, very ironic and interesting in that way. But I have so many questions. You said you were running around barefoot, which is definitely what I would have done, but I saw online that... There's something called playa foot. Did you worry about that? Did you experience that? Well, playa foot's only concerned when it's dusty, and it wasn't dusty at oh, all. Oh, okay. So getting your feet muddy, it, it wasn't uh, playa foot was no longer a concern. Oh, okay. But when it's super hot and dry, yeah. If it's um, if your feet are in like sandals or barefoot, um, what can happen is your feet get super dry and crack, mm. and then crack bleed like. You know, oh, and then you've bad. got open, you know, cuts and then dust gets in it and potentially infected. And it's just like this whole cyclical, terrible thing. So that's um, why everybody wears like space boots. Yeah, you wear <laughs> boots, long socks so the dust doesn't get in them and you're protecting your feet from any anything like that, any dryness. Yeah. And then lotion, <laughs> lots of lotion and just embracing the dust on your skin. But, but yeah, so for the mud you could just put your feet in there and I kept like people pay a lot of money to put like do like the clay foot clay mask you know on your feet and this is probably really good for your feet (laughs) oh that's awesome I thought it was like like bad for some reason to put your feet in the mud I would have been doing that for sure too did you have any moments where you started to like feel fearful or panicked or were you able to like maintain your your calm and your trust throughout the experience. Yeah, well, I think being uh, in a group and we all all of us talking about what the potential risks of what was going on, I think that kind of helped me like understand what the like what could you know the worst that could happen. Yeah. So the worst thing that I was thinking that could happen is like okay if por- if the portos are not serviced. Like, like how, you know, that could be just on its own, like a not so great situation. Tons and tons of people. Are we going to start like, you know, not using the portos and just going everywhere out here on the playa? Like that's a concern. Um, like how, how far is it going to go? And then, um, then I wasn't concerned though, because, um, out there it gets super dry. Things dry really fast. Yeah. Um, so as soon as it's, I knew that as soon as it stopped raining for a stint, it's the ground is going to dry and it's going to be drivable. The one thing I was thinking about too, though, 
and it did kind of affect our exodus, our drive out, um, was, so the ground is typically fairly flat, so you can bike on it. When it dried, when people were walking around in the mud, it's created all these craters and, like, dents in the ground when it dried, so it was hard, but it was, like, really bumpy. Mm. So you're driving your RV out, and you're, like, uh, like, all, all throughout your exodus, and so that made it a little more challenging to get out, but, um, you know, uh, we made it out and we just took it slow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, when you're just biking on the flat, it doesn't, you know, uh, uh, change up the texture of the, of the ground, but walking yeah. definitely did. There's like big sinkholes. Oh, people I see what you're saying. Yeah. That makes it's, sense. It was kind of, and so anyway, but it, it really didn't affect us that much. I feel like it was a really good thing that you guys didn't have, like, probably a ton of access to the, like, outside stuff, because obviously the media was framing it as if, like, you were going to be stranded out there for so long, and everyone had limited resources, and, like, we didn't know how long it was going to last, and, like, making it feel so scary for us watching you guys who were there, so if you guys didn't really have, no one was like sitting on the news, obviously, and especially in that group of people, they're probably not doing that anyway, but having just the insulation and being in it, as opposed to watching it, I feel like is a massive benefit in that circumstance. Yeah. And, or there was like little bits of service that came through and I was able to see like on Reddit, some of the things that were being said. And I remember being like, oh, they got it all wrong. We're just like, doing one more day of partying yeah. <laughs> out here being together and just being out in Burning Man one more day. And it's like such a magical place. Yeah. Um, you probably don't want to leave anyway when it's over. And that's yeah. another question. It's so long. How long, how long do you plan to go out there? It's so long. It's like over two weeks well, long, right? Well, it's a week long festival or it's not even a festival. It's like a, yeah, it's like a, an experiment. Yeah. Social experiment. It's a week long thing. <laughs> And however, there's a lot of people that go out there to build their camps and tear down their camps at the end of the week. And that was me. I was out there. I was with um, Camp Ego Trip. It's a San Diego based camp. Um, and we are a pretty large sound camp right along the Esplanade. Um, and I got there three days before the first day of Burning Man to help set up. Um, the structures and put together our DJ booth and um, get prepared to throw parties at our camp. Um, and same thing with my boyfriend. He we met before we uh, committed to our camps and we're very loyal to our camps. So we um, we were part of different camps, but we stayed together at his camp. So every morning I'd go to my camp, bike over there, set up all day. And then eventually we like got back together. Um, and then during the full week of Burning Man, we worked together the whole time. Um, but there's very little service. Walkie talkies are not really s- super helpful either. So we relied on telepathy <laughs> to, <laughs> to find each other and um, get together. But um, wow. Uh, so I was, we were out there from for like a week almost two weeks, a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more like a week and a half, um, which is a long time, but um, I made sure, I, I'm like such a mommy bear, I'm like, I made sure I packed enough food for the two of us and then some to share and if we needed extra and same thing with water. Um, so I, yeah, I did um, make sure we were really prepared. That's like part of the Burning Man's like, um, principles is yeah. to be reliant and uh, which is a really fun muscle to exercise for yourself yeah um, and there's very unless you're I mean you thing and do like a couple night outings but very rarely do I have the opportunity to like exercise that muscle I have all the convenience of easy of ease here you know and my in my own place and a grocery store right down the street, you know, and, um, just whatever I need. 
And at Burning Man, essentially, the Playa provides is a is a saying, and 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 it's very true. There's there's coffee, like in the city. There's like uh, people serving food. There's um um like uh, misting tents. You know, their whole camp is so you can cool off and you could go in and you get misted. There's um shower camps where you got their whole thing is you. They'll, ba- they'll help you bathe and give you soap and all that stuff. Okay, so do every camp kind of has like a like a purpose, like an offering almost. Like a they yeah. ha- they pick like a theme of like what they're contributing. So you right. keep saying sound camp. So you guys were like DJs providing music, but not every camp is that is that. Right, exactly. So there's um, usually along the Esplanade where there's a lot of biking bike parking um, space. Um, there are, they situate all, a lot of the big sound camps where there's gonna, uh, there's gonna be a big crowd that's drawn in. So we had some really big DJs that were, um, playing at my camp. Um, so we knew, like, Vintage Culture, for example, Justin Martin, Intuin, um, Burko played. There's just, like, lots of big, big DJs, um, at our camp. So we knew that a ton of people were going to be, um, would be attracted to our camp at a given time and to, um, not create traffic jams where there's like bikes in the street. Um, we had, we're on the Esplanade, which, um, is right across the street from the main playa, um, where tons of bikes can be parked. And our whole thing for our camp is we throw big parties. Um, there's other camps that, they're like coffee camps and they just serve a ton of like Vietnamese coffee. And nobody's paying for anything. Like you just go around to the other camps and they're just offering. Yeah. It's all a gifting economy. So, um, we had a bar at our camp too. I bartended at one night and it's all, there's no money and it's so fun to bartend when there's no money involved because, um, I'm not expecting anything in return to giving them alcohol. All the alcohol we had at our camp was donated to us by, um, you know, like a lot of our camp members have um, relationships with, um, uh, al- um, like, alcohol vendors. Mm-hmm. And they know where it's going, and they donate alcohol. Like, I, I have a um, – my parents are connected with a winery, and they donated a bunch of wine to our camp. So – we had wine to give to people and it, it's such a, uh, everyone loves free alcohol. So it's just like you, you create these really nice, like fun relationships with people while you're doing bartend. You're like, here you go. And it makes their day. Yeah. It makes your day to make their day. And it's this whole thing that you don't get to experience in like the real world. Yeah. You just, this always, is it, everything's transactional. Totally. Everyone's yeah. And, um, I mean, even, you know, in everyone's job, they're expecting to be paid for their time, their effort, their knowledge. Um, there's no other time where it's, where it's like that. One, one aspect of, um, integration for me is kind of having moments still where I, I do, I gift something, time, I don't know, uh, help someone and, and not expect anything in return and, yeah. and practice that still because it does feel good and um uh to get out of that headspace of where I'm like I'm expecting you know something in return for my efforts yeah um, I that's the part about this that's fascinating to me and like I had no concept of any of this like I was just like oh Burning Man's just another festival music festival in the desert where like a certain type of people go and gather and like it's been around for a long time that's all I knew and all I thought so as I started to see stuff coming up on my feed I'm trying to put myself back into my mind of like a month ago when I literally knew nothing because I had so many questions and I I spent hours on TikTok and like reading and researching because I thought it was so interesting that one, that part in particular, I think is fascinating because what you're saying is so true. It's like there's no other time in our life where we're going to be able to relate to people so authentically where it's not it's not about capitalism or like it's not about money in any way or gain in any way. It's just true like experiencing, which I think is so fucking interesting. Like that's a that's so cool and it would be so weird do you feel jaded when you come back into the real world after experiencing something like that? 
It's different for sure. I remember last year it was it was like a really weird. It would be shocking. Shocking. Yeah. And like my first time driving, like starting to drive back to San Diego, and I stopped at a gas station, and I was like at a cashier, and I'm like, oh yeah, you need some money now. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, so interesting. Um, I was even. I mean, they don't even like allow for any um, marketing or, or yeah. logos advertising any of that like like it's very frowned upon to mm-hmm. to be promoting something out there it's like against the burning man culture so yeah. it's it's really eliminating any gain like you said so um, interesting i was researching i was looking at the website before I got on this call and I knew that there was like 10 principles and I knew that like the gifting culture and like the non-consumerism was only one of them. And there was a lot of them that I didn't know about until today. So I'm just going to, I'm going to like just read through them quickly just for the people listening. So like number one is radical inclusion, which I suppose just means everybody's welcome. Gifting was the second one and decommodification is the third, which are both so interesting and probably like my favorite of the list. Well, I love them all, but I guess they're the most unique. Like they're the most like norm shattering ones. Um, Radical self-reliance, obviously. And I was reading about some of the history too. And it started as like survival camping, which those words like trigger me. Like I'm the least, I'm like an underestimator and I'm not super prepared and I have like severe ADHD. So that would be like a major challenge for me, but I feel like that's also the purpose, right? Is to yeah. to challenge yourself and to stretch yourself in that way. So radical okay. self-reliance is very interesting. Yeah. Radical self-expression, which I feel like that one may be the most obvious to me because I feel like it's very artsy and people are there to express and to, to be themselves. And then communal effort, civic responsibility, leave no trace, participation, and immediacy. So I had to read through participation and immediacy because I'm like, what is that? And participation said something like just to be a participant, like to engage, to be like fully present and participating in everything, in work, in play, in all of it. And I thought that was also really beautiful and really interesting. And immediacy is like just your immediate experience, like just basically presence. And I think that's that's super cool as well. So I, I really enjoyed reading through those principles and learning more about what Burning Man is all about. Do you, does your experience reflect all of that? Because that's another kind of controversy that I started to pick up on before this year even happened. There was some like big, I don't know, influencers or thought leaders or people who were like saying they weren't going this year because they felt like it was tainted in certain ways and that it wasn't aligned with these principles anymore so what's your take on that honestly I think um I mean my experience is just of these last two years so I don't have too much to compare it to and I think a lot of the people that did decided not to go um have been more long-time burners um I I get it in the sense of like you do you see those people that are there that are Instagram influencers and they're trying to get that sunrise shot you know yeah and it's like maybe they're missing the point a little bit you know um but I have to say that doesn't detract from my own personal experience of Burning Man and um you know getting the full um the full you know the full experience out there I just I don't let that um affect me I guess yeah I think I think that um uh in the early years of Burning Man there was less uh filming of it and therefore less videos on YouTube um posts on Instagram yeah um and exposure of what was going on out there um and I think maybe they're referring back to those days where it wasn't like oh pull out my phone and and document all this cool stuff that's happening um, and it, and, and it would, um, maybe it was more of, uh, there were more people that were really genuinely present because the urge to pull out the phone wasn't there as much. Yeah. Uh, but would you say that the majority of people that are there are living by these principles and embodying that, that in your experience? I would say so. 
That's so cool. The people that I I was around um, were definitely uh, embodying those principles. I think um, there are definitely certain tribes out there that um, maybe are uh, <laughs> they they kind of veer away from some of those principles. Sure, um, there are just so many people out there. Um, yeah. So there's bound to be. Um, uh, however, I think the majority of the people that I, I experienced out there live pretty closely to those principles. Um, yeah. So that's it's about so cool. who you're around, the, the, the people. Yeah. Well, and it's still humans, so there's going to be exceptions to every rule. And I think, I think it obviously is the party aspect that draws people to the experience, probably, my, primarily. Can you, is that... You already basically said that that's what took you out there last year, right? Was there any part of you that was seeking the like the challenge and the experience, or was I'm trying to understand if people go for the party and just kind of like deal with the experience, or if they're like seeking the experience as well as the party? Yeah. Well, if you're going out there primarily just for the party, you're gonna be, and you don't want the rest of it, you're gonna be probably miserable. <laughs> I would suggest going to um, a festival that's not as long and not as tough condition-wise. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely a um, a thing to go to if you're willing to put, like, you want to push yourself to see where you can go um, and what your limits are in, in terms of, like, your flexibility and... Um, uh, ability to just embrace. Um, not everyone has that and not everyone is willing to test it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, you know, comfortable and it's hard, you know, it's hard to push yourself in those ways of, you know, being flexible with the rain and being you know, figuring, figuring things out and, and, and just embracing stuff. So, yeah, I guess maybe if someone listening doesn't know, like this year, it obviously, it not, not obviously it rained a lot, which caused flooding, which caused all of these issues. What made last year challenging or what are the conditions typically like? So, um, the conditions are typically, it's dry and dusty. There's dust storms. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, both years I got caught in dust storms way out in deep playa, which is way, way far away from like, you're just in the middle of the desert, middle of the desert. Yeah. And, um, there's art cars riding around out there. There's, what does that mean for someone who doesn't know what an art car is? How do you describe? Yeah. So it's a, um, it's like an exhibit. It's a vehicle and it's on, on wheels and, and it drives it's like a car that's deconstructed and and made into like a mobile art piece almost so there's big ones small ones there's ones as big as semi trucks crazy um there's some like famous ones um like robot heart which is a huge one and it's like a big honor as a dj to play on that oh and cool they, uh, robot heart and um uh, usually plays at sunrise um if you look if you look on youtube um, Burning Man sunrise set, you will kind of get a taste of what a sunrise set on an art car, like like Robot Heart, um, looks like. Okay. Um, I watched the you know all the sunrise set, like so many sunrise sets before I even went out to Burning Man for the first time. Like, and so I ha- I've had dreams of seeing a sunrise set, and and the first one I saw it literally brought tears to my eyes. It's so beautiful. Um, and the music, the sunrise over the desert and just all the people together and feeling like all this love and connection, Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's moving, you know, it moves you. So Mayan warrior is another huge art car that is, um, uh, known for doing sunrise sets. Unfortunately, before this last burn, it, um, caught on fire but like tragically and it was so bad because my first year I went to Burning Man I feel lucky because my first year at Burning Man was its last year okay so you got to witness it yeah and it's been around for years everyone knows Mind Warrior it's Mm. just it's hard to picture Burning Man without it but this was its first year without it and um I interrupted you though so you were saying that you 
um, were like out in the playa and a dust storm came and then you said art car and then I interrupted you. <laughs> oh, you're good. So basically, uh, it's not Burning Man really in, until you've like, it's not a, you know, it's, it's not, you're, you have, you haven't experienced Burning Man until you've gotten caught in or way out in the middle of the playa and you're lost and you can barely see. <laughs> That's um, scary. So every, both years I've gotten caught in at least one or two um, where you're like, you literally can't see your hand in front of your face. It's so dusty. And so if you're prepared and self-reliant, you've got goggles and or a scarf, like a mask. So you're not inhaling so much dust. Um, uh, so you've got like, uh, goggles on so we you're supposed to kind of like stop what you're doing and or try to um, find shelter if you're on a bike it's more ideal to just try to bike into camp and navigate it back in um, art cars out there are supposed to stop and not drive anywhere um, and so it's it's a little less dangerous but the potential of you biking and then biking into an art car it's there you know because you can't see that well um, or an art piece. So there's a little bit of a danger there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another saying out there in Burning Man, safety third. Um, so there's like just, you just have to be careful. Safety and, third? And safety third. What's first and second? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is that there's uh, a little less of a, I mean, Fend for yourself. Just it's deprioritized. Yeah. Happen, you know, um, there is always. I mean, there's usually you know eighty thousand people out there. So many people. There's there are people that get hurt. You know, because it's just a ton of people. The the chances of someone dying or like something happening, having a stroke, heat stroke, or not being prepared, or you know. Um, doing a lot of drugs and not knowing how to get home and yeah. getting stuck up. You know, there's things. So you have to be careful and look out for yourself and, and you know, do human things amongst the fun stuff. You know, you have to, you know, not disregard the fact that you're not invincible and you're in a place with harsh conditions. Yeah. So take care of yourself first off uh, and, uh, you know, don't, you know, do be smart. For sure. Um, and then be with other people that are looking after you too. So I've got a lot of people out there that, I, a lot of good friends that are just checking on me, on me and making sure I'm okay. And I've got enough food, water, um, and clothes and supplies and I'm doing okay, you know. And so it's smart to have a little tribe out there that are looking out for you. Yeah. Um, just like anywhere yeah (laughs) and um, there's there's always like there's so many strangers that are just wanting to give and take care of people too and and have moments with with you and make sure that that and it gives them it fills their cup to take care of you too so it's it's just a good um every most people out there are cut from the same cloth and are trying to uh be a really um you know, self-supporting community and take care of everyone. Crazy. Um, That's so interesting. Is it the type of thing that you could just go on your own or do you feel like you need to kind of go with people in order to make it? I'm sure there are people that, I'm sure there are people that go alone just for the experience and challenge. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think that I wouldn't, if it's like your first rodeo, your first time going out to Burning Man, I would suggest you do a lot of research on what to bring. Yeah. Hopefully you've got friends that have done it before and you can ask them questions, figure out what you need. It's, it's, um, you know, I don't like for me, it wasn't super intuitive of everything I needed to bring. No, I I saw a TikTok of this lady doing like a tour of her tent that she was in and the amount of shit that she had. And she was like, oh, yeah, you'll get this, your first your first burn. Like, you'll always have this. And I'm like, I've never even heard of some of this shit. Like, it would be, I would be so underprepared. It's, it's fascinating the amount of thought that goes into preparing for something like that. And it's so cool. It's, like, so interesting to me. I was, like, researching the history of it a little bit because it first came onto my radar. Like, my one of my friend's dad's 
dad used to go and like he used to go for a long time so I was like okay this thing's like been around but when I was researching it it started in 1986 so it's older than me (laughs) and it started with 35 people on a beach burning a man and burning a an effigy I guess right and I was like kind of there's a really cool thing on the website where it like takes you through the the timeline of it so in 1986 it was 35 people four years later it was 350 people and that's when they moved to Black Rock because they weren't allowed to burn things on the beach in San Francisco anymore where it started. And then from there, what I thought was really interesting, 1990, there was 350 people. In 1991, there was 250 people. And as an entrepreneur, I saw that and was like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Like, I like wonder what caused it to be less populated that year. And then the, ne- the next year it like tripled and then it just has obviously grown so fast and become this huge phenomenon. But just to think about it being 35 people burning this thing on the beach to becoming this like the third biggest city that's constructed in the desert every single year in Nevada with, you said 80,000 people and like the, the drone footage and like the way that it looks from above is insane. Like it's such a phenomenon. It's so fascinating. And like just the, the culture and the, like everything behind it, the, the rules and the, the principles of it all, like it's become such a monster, like a cultural phenomenon that it's fascinating. It's so, so interesting to see how something can evolve in that way. Yeah. It's, it's it's really I mean it's really cool I think that it's picked up people have people have, most people have heard of it now and are fascinated with it because it's it's unique from any other like event um, like planned thing that we know of it's it's its own animal and um, and I think people are really interested in like the um the principles and and the social experiment and want a taste of that um but also uh again like i think a lot there's a lot more uh content that's being created out there with videos that are being posted on youtube and instagram tiktok people are getting when you know uh, being more exposed to it um and it looks like just this other planet um and it it feels like that yeah it feels like uh, it feels like Tatooine on in like Star Wars to me it's like this this whole other thing and people are you know there's people are really expressing themselves exactly as they want to and dressed you know um like super fun and and just truly like um truly exercising their ability to express themselves exactly as they want to. And it's, um, you know, there's very few other times in our life that we can really do that. And there's so much freedom in that. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's like therapy for a lot of people. I think a lot of people, um, live for it that are, that go every year. I know I'm, one of them now. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you that. Do you think you're a lifelong burner now after these last couple of years? I think like it would be, I would have, you know, a lot of regret not going uh, in in future years. Like yeah. it would, I would have some serious FOMO if I didn't. Yeah. Um, it's just such a amazing, moving thing to be a part of, and um, I. I was definitely dreaming about it last year after my first one going, thinking about the next one I was going to, I was just like always thinking about it. And yeah. I wouldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> I would like, I wouldn't shut up. I can I only like- imagine. I had a very long music festival phase and like, I would feel that way about the big festivals that I had been to. Like I would be, I would like mourn them when they were over and I would just like dream about them the next year. And this is like, that on steroids so I can only imagine the amount of like emotional charge and investment that goes into being a part of something like that how many years did you think about going before you first went or were you like 
instantly so, ready. Yeah, I really was trying to go um, since 2019. It was on my brain. It, did it, it didn't happen in 2020. It didn't happen in 20. Uh, there was a smaller um, renegade burn. Oh, wow. So people that just were like, we need this. Yeah. <laughs> went there and apparently to all the people that I knew that went said it was one of their favorite burns ever. Interesting. Because it was like less structured. Um, I don't even know if they had like, um, you know, uh, like police or law enforcement involved because they do at normal burns to mm-hmm. just make sure everyone's following rules and making sure it's not just anarchy out there. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, yeah, so there was one in 2020. I wanted to go, I first really like heard about it in 2018 and after like that next year, I'm like, I I started watching all the videos and I'm like, Oh my God, I need to go out there. That looks like the place I need to go. And, um, I was trying, trying, trying to go out there um but it's really hard to get a ticket like just on oh the website. really and I would market it my calendar have like a whole burner profile try to get tickets and I would always be unsuccessful you oh know, like, I didn't realize it was like that yeah so it's really hard I um reached out to ego trip um uh, because I would go to their fundraising parties um, and I hadn't missed one in years. So the first year I went was last year. And right before uh, Burning Man, I was trying to get my, a ticket. Unsuccessful. There's like two two days that they try to, that they sell tickets and I didn't get any. So I reached out to the camp. I'm like, how does someone get a ticket? Because <laughs> I'm at a loss and I'm really trying to go. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is each camp gets allotted a certain amount of tickets to bring on people to help build their camps. Oh, yeah. Um, So that's essentially what I did. Ego Trip was, um, saw me as, like, a potential person to add to the camp, and I was, like, positive uh, presence and willing to work, and so they brought me in. Um, You can't, like, a camp won't just let anyone in. Yeah. And, like, kind of an honor to be a part of this camp. It's a really big, known camp. And cool. they've been around Burning Man for years, and they've really built themselves up, and they have a really great reputation. That's why so many burner uh, DJs want to play there. Yeah, uh, it's known. Um, and there's certain nights during the week of Burning Man that are known as big party nights at Ego Trip. Cool. Um, so anyway, I became friends with uh, members there at Ego Trip, and um, I got a ticket through them. Um, and uh, they're just like a big family to me, my burner family. And um, I think a lot of people, that's how I got my ticket. My boyfriend, the first time he went, he had never heard of Burning Man, and someone offered him a ticket. So <laughs> Okay, fine. Like, he didn't have, even know what it That's was. That's And he just went. So yeah. everyone's story of getting to the ply is different. Yeah. Um, cool. What do you yeah. think the biggest misconception is? What What's the one thing that you think that people should know or that people typically get wrong about Burning Man? I think a lot of people go, oh, it's just a bunch of pe- hippies on drugs out there. And to be honest, that was my first. <laughs> when I first heard about it, I'm like, mm, maybe that's what's going on. It's, yeah. A lot of people exercising the muscle of being completely free, being like a little kid out in the middle of the desert and getting to be, getting to play, mm-hmm. you know, um, as an adult. And we don't really get that opportunity very often. Um, sure, uh, you know, um, I mean, it's a big playground that I think was inspired a little drug inspired and if you're going to take drugs that's the place to do it it's very um you know I don't know I feel like that's it's a it's kind of people think that everyone's on drugs out there they're not you can be completely sober out there and have like the most magical beautiful time yeah I think people think everyone's just like ODing out there and people are dying and all this stuff it's just not the case Mm -hmm. um I think there is someone that died this last year and the media really harped on that it's 80,000 people the chances of someone dying is one person dying you know 
Yeah, it might. Like, if the ratio is different, maybe that would be more of like a, a reason for media to to harp on it. But there's just like not that many. There's so many people out there. The chances of one person dying is likely, you know. And so, um, and again, safety third. The chances of, you know, it's it's just like a harsh environment. Um, so I think a lot of people think like, oh, people die out there. They're they're just tons of people doing drugs. It's just not necessarily the case. Yeah, um, I think that's a good point. I definitely just thought it was a bunch of hippies in the desert doing drugs until I'm, I'm grateful for the media coverage that happened this year because it invited me to like learn more and like educate myself more and get underneath the surface of like, first of all, I have no problem with a bunch of hippies in the desert doing drugs. I think that sounds cool too, but to understand the, like the depth of this and like the culture of it and the fact that it is a social experiment and that there's so much going on that, that are breaking the norms and everything that you're saying like my whole business is built around living authentically and and be, like living a playful life and and finding our joy and figuring all of that out in our day-to-day life. So it does sound like just a playground to like enjoy that and and escape kind of the confines of society, which sounds very very interesting and intriguing. So I'm so grateful for you for sharing your firsthand experience and answering some of those questions because it truly fascinates me and I spent so much time just like watching TikToks and like just I couldn't get enough because I I had no idea exactly what was going on there and the more I learned the more I wanted to know yeah I I think a lot of people um dove that direction to understand what was really going on out there with the media so um I think either Next year, there's going to be less people because they're scared of the rain and think it's this crazy chaos thing, and or maybe more people are going to be exposed to it and, and curious and want to go experience it themselves. I'm not really sure what this next year's um, participation out there is going to be. Yeah, uh, good, good way, point. I'm going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Amazing. Okay, so I was so excited to get into this conversation that we kind of didn't even really introduce you. So let's, we'll just do this whole episode backwards. So now that we understand a little bit more about what it's like on the playa, tell us about your normal life. (laughs) You're in Um, San Diego. So yeah, I'm in San Diego. I'm uh, an online strength coach, personal trainer, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Um, And uh, I really um, am passionate about um, helping people find their strength um, physically, which um, just uh, builds on their confidence and builds them as a person and trans- uh, um, uh, transcends into every other part of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I build my built my business on, and uh, I specifically uh, like helping people build their glutes um, and build strength there, um, which also helps. Uh, <laughs> helps with longevity, it helps with um, just whole like body function and eliminate pain and all of that. Um, so I've been living in San Diego. I'm born and raised in San Diego. Oh, wow. I live, um, yeah, I lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a little bit. Um, I went to school there and I came back to San Diego because I love it. Um, my family's here. Um, I uh, also on the side DJ, so I DJed out Oh, yeah. Area. And that's a whole other beautiful thing that kind of expo- opened up my world and um, helped me uh, tap into a creative side that I didn't even know I had. How long have um, you been DJing? So I've been DJing for about a little over a year and a half. Cool. Um, I dreamed of DJing for longer. And um, actually what kind of got me truly into DJing was, um, you know, a I, like the gifting so coming back to the gifting economy um a now friend of mine um overheard me at a festival talking about how I like would always love to dream I've dreamed of DJing mm-hmm. but it's just like the financial element that I couldn't get behind to like buy the equipment because what if I hate it you know and I've already invested I invest in all this equipment yeah and then I like it 
Um, so, like, a few days after coming back from the festival, I get a call from um, uh, uh, this guy that I didn't know at that well at, at the time, and he's like, I heard your desire to do this, and I heard the main obstacle preventing you from experimenting and doing it was money and um he's like i bought you a controller so don't make this weird i just wanted to start be the catalyst for this adventure for you that is so So cool i was crying i'm like what like we don't even know each other this is like the nicest gift ever it was a stranger what's that was he a stranger not a stranger like i met him at a festival through a bunch of friends okay and like an acquaintance he was kind of a stranger at the time, but yeah. became a really good friend of mine. That's um, beautiful. Actually, he burned with me this last year in the same camp at Ego Trip. And um, anyway, great person. And, and then he started my whole journey with DJing. Um, so kind of fun. I'm actually the same festival that I met, met him at, really. And this whole conversation happened at. I'm going to be DJing for, like, um, uh, like... A, a yoga class there's a whole wellness aspect of this festival so I'm like um yoga and de- live DJing and that sounds amazing that. what's that festival called I want to come <laughs> yeah it's called love machine love machine it's at the waterfront park in downtown San Diego I'm obsessed with San Diego I actually a year ago I was making my way down the Oregon coast and I my end goal was to go to San Diego because I had never been there and I fell in love with it. And I was actually like, I remember driving, I guess, in Pacific Beach or wherever it is. And I saw Glute Lab and I was like, oh, my God, the famous Glute Lab. Like, that is iconic. How cool. And I think it's I we met in the gym, actually, we, in Bali. Um, Bali. <laughs> you, you and Sarah were training and the way that you guys were training and the amount of strength that you guys had, I was like, just watching you guys and I was amazed. I was like, these girls are so strong and they know what they're doing. And I love a girl in the gym. I also have a personal training background. So I just like have such admiration for other females who know what they're doing in the gym and like exude that confidence. And you guys are like so, so strong. I wonder if your physical strength like equates to your, your resiliency at burning men, because I feel like they must go hand in hand, but, um, Yeah, I I think it's so cool that you are a glute-focused trainer, and it's amazing. It was amazing to see San Diego and see Glute Lab, and if people are wanting to work with you, you do work with clients online? I do, yeah. I have clients all over the world. Cool. Uh, And so I have an online presence, and I I train um, a lot of online clients, um, a a handful of in-person clients that have just been training for years and I they're like family to me now but my primary business is online um I'm actually launching a challenge in the next month or so um for people that are looking for a new um phase of training and getting into lifting um if from I mean it's it it, you could be a beginner and, and and this would be like right in um right up your alley and and or intermediate or advanced lifters can do this too cool um speakers um to kind of uh touch on um uh training for strength and aesthetics um uh motive like um how to maintain motivation accountability in the gym nutrition all these uh elements that all kind of encompass your total wellness and and um you know maintaining a lifting routine amazing yeah, that sounds yeah, so yeah. good. So where can people find you? Is it easiest to connect with you on Instagram or do you have a website? Probably Instagram. Um, in my link, in my bio, you can um, go into my website too and learn more. Um, but Instagram, that's where I connect with everyone. Um, so I can I can get that. Well, you know my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I'll put your Instagram in the in the call notes so that people can find you. Do you want to just tell them what it is now in case they want to remember it or search you right now? Sure. So on Instagram, it's Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A underscore fit, F-I-T underscore. Okay. So Brianna underscore fit underscore perfect yeah and I'll add that down into the call notes as well so that you guys can be linked to her profile and check that out because that sounds amazing and yeah you 
you guys have something different going on down there because the level of like strength and confidence and physique it is so inspiring to to me and i'm sure to so many others so thank you for sharing that i can't wait to check out your new challenge of course thank you thank you for having me yeah thank you (laughs) it's so much fun to learn more and like i can learn so much from tiktok but it's always fun to just speak with someone who's been there and who's had the experience and who who knows do you have any travels coming up? I know we, we met in uh, Chenggu in Bali. Do you have any plans for travel this winter? I am trying to figure that out. I, I want to, the, the colder, the cold months in San Diego are like December, January, January February. So um, I'm trying to figure out where I'm gonna go. Go Girl, I will try, I'll tell you about cold months. I will go to San Diego. <laughs> I know, gosh, I know. We I would <laughs> I'm such a Southern California girl, just a few degrees under where we're at right now. I'm like, oh no, I can't do this. For sure. It's all relative. Definitely. I'm, I haven't been in Canada for a winter in a long time and I'm like, the weather's shifting quickly. I'm getting so nervous. I'm like looking at flights every day. So we'll see. Maybe we'll cross paths somewhere else. Maybe Maybe San Diego. (laughs) Let me know where you go. Yeah. Okay. We'll stay in touch. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so interesting and it's it's got my curiosity peaked for sure and I'm sure many others. So appreciate you. And yeah, I'll keep my eyes peeled for your challenge. Thanks again. Okay.